0: Dear listener, it's a great joy that you choose to join me. This is Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samo Maangi. This is your favorite channel of program with interesting segments just for you. Part one will be having the family segment by Lydia Acheng. Today, she will talk about what makes a marriage Christian thereafter we'll be having a bible segment by pastor paul wahonya today's topic is about the sin of unbelief before that here's a song story by trumpets choir
1: tell me the story of jesus right on my heart everyone tell me the story most precious Sweetest that ever was heard For oh, he needs to intercede for me And to give me power Through the Holy Spirit oh, oh, oh. That's why every time, every time Every time I feel the Spirit uh, Moving in my heart I will pray I will pray, every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart I will pray I will every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart I will pray I will pray every time I feel the spirit a- moving in my heart I will pray Come by him, my Lord, come by him, my come by him, my Lord, come by him, come by him, my Lord, 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 come by him, my he my lord come by him my lord come by him my lord come by him my come by him my lord come by him my lord oh lord come by him come by him come, by he. come
0: That you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Lydia Achang. Welcome, sister.
2: Dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Lydia Aching. Today, we'll look at what makes a marriage Christian. Just because two people claim to be followers of Christ, it doesn't mean they have a Christian marriage. They may have a marriage where there are two people who say they are followers of Jesus Christ, but it takes more than occupancy to make it a Christian marriage, one that exemplifies who Christ is and wants them to be. So what makes a marriage a Christian one? We came across a book titled The The Complete Marriage Book, written by Dr. David and Dr. John Stoop, that makes some good points on this subject. We'll be sharing a portion of what they wrote, hoping it will give you a look into this important issue. They write, What makes your marriage Christian? I mean, distinctly Christian. Imagine that you are good friends with another couple who have a very strong, solid marriage, but they make no claim to have an interest in being Christians or in having a Christian marriage. Perhaps they go to church with you on Christmas or Easter, but that's the extent of their interest in spiritual things. Over the years, you've watched them, and you know they have a great marriage. They also have high moral standards, and they live by their values. You claim to have a Christian marriage, but how is your marriage different from theirs? There are a number of good responses that are true and important, but don't really answer the question. For example, you might say, Our marriage is different because we have Christ at the center of our lives. That's extremely important. But how does that make your marriage different, in a practical sense? Or you might say, we attend church and are active in its ministries. You're getting closer, but again, how does that affect your marriage, in a practical sense? Now you say, well, my partner and I both have a great relationship with the Lord. He is very real to us and he affects the way we live our lives. Nothing is more important in our lives than our relationship with the Lord. But again, how does that affect your marriage in a practical sense? How about an answer that says, we experience incredible intimacy with God as a couple. David and John Stoop then go on to write about the first marriage between Adam and Eve and their loss of intimacy as a couple with God. We found that part of our purpose as believers is to begin to restore some of what was lost when Adam and Eve sinned. In other words, as a Christian couple that is seeking to have a genuine Christian marriage, we will do things that seek to restore us as a couple what was lost after the fall. We will seek to do things that restore us as a couple what was lost at the fall. That includes confronting our shame, defensiveness, and fear with every couple has to do which every couple has to do to build a healthy marriage. And then we need to begin to repair the brokenness we experience as a couple in our relationship with God. What makes a marriage truly Christian then is that we as a couple are seeking to restore in our lives part of what was lost in the Garden of Eden. We not only strive to become more whole as an individual, we want our marriage to be more of what God intended marriage to be a complete satisfying union of two people with God, intimacy together with each other and together with God. Unless our search for spiritual intimacy with God is part of our behavior as a couple, there is little else that distinguishes a marriage as being truly Christian. The authors go on to talk about how we do that, but basically a lot of it is working together in partnership along with God to help each other be all we can be in Christ if we wouldn't have married. It is working on each other's aloneness and helping each other to live up to our potential, praying with and for each other, worshipping our God together, studying the Bible and living our lives together as God teaches. They go on to write, What makes a marriage as distinctly Christian is what is that we as a couple are doing things together that non-Christian couples don't do together. While non-believing people may pray at times and may even read the Bible for comfort, for comfort at times, It is not a regular habit they are doing to nurture their marriage. Reading the Bible together and praying together on a regular daily basis are the foundation stones for building spiritual intimacies in a marriage. George Barna's Barna's surveys found that the divorce rates for couples who read the Bible together daily is only 1 out of 1,100. Another statistic we found was that couples who pray together on a daily basis have a divorce rate of 1 out of 1,200. These are unbelievable statistics in the light of the divorce rate in the general population being 1 out of 2 marriages. Reading the Bible together and praying together are strong divorce prevention behaviors, but their primary purpose is to develop spiritual intimacy together as a couple. Doctors David and John Stoop go on to talk about different retreats they and other couples have gone on to grow closer to God and to each other as individual couples and ways they can make their worship experiences more of a couple's event. You can talk together as a couple and how you can do that or read their book. In closing, David and John write, spiritual intimacy in our marriage means that we are developing a shared inner life together. While this may sound like a frightening huge task, remember, we begin with a few simple things. Don't rush the process, but don't fail to get started either. Or if you've already started, don't fail to add new ways to experience God together in your marriage. Author Gary Thomas from the book Sacred Marriage says this, Your marriage is more than a sacred covenant with another person. It is a spiritual discipline designed to help you know God better, trust Him more fully, and love Him more deeply. And to that we say, Amen. We thank Marriage Missions International for providing us with this material. Until next time, God bless you.
0: I hope that you've enjoyed the Family Life segment. This is a New Life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your thoughts about this program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, 76 100 Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awnairobi at ek.adventis.org. Let us now hear from Masalio, sing us with the song, Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful indeed. Thank you so much, Leo Choir. Thank you once again for staying tuned to our station. It is now time for the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Pastor Wahonya.
3: Dear listener, today we want to examine the sin of unbelief. In the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 1 to 6, we read that Jesus went out and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom? Is this that is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Among his own relatives. And in his own house. Now the Bible says dear listener. He could do no mighty work there. Except that he laid his hands on the few who were sick. And healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Dear friend. People in Jesus' own country refused to believe in him. They judged him by the humble status of his parents. They judged him. Not by what he was or what he did. No wonder Christ marveled at their unbelief. Unbelief is a state of doubt with reference to a person or a fact. Unbelief is the rejection of the revelation of God. It is the rejection of his will and also the rejection of his efforts on our behalf. Unbelief, in fact, is closing the eyes to the available evidence that is right before us. This evil of unbelief, my dear listener, is an insult to the wisdom and the integrity of God. Unbelief closes its victim's eyes to the truth that would have saved his life. Unbelief renders the all-important work of redemption impossible in the life of an individual. Unbelief shuts heaven and opens the gates of hell. Unbelief makes it impossible for God, his word, and his spirit to save our souls. It creates a great gulf between its victims and the kingdom of heaven. Unbelief keeps the guilty in a state of condemnation. It renders useless all the provisions of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the Bible cannot help the unbeliever and the spirit of God cannot influence the heart that is full of unbelief. To the one who entertains unbelief, prayer is useless. And therefore, my dear listener, being aware of what unbelief is able to do to you, Jesus says, beware of unbelief. There is unbelief in many people's lives today. They hear the word of God spoken. They hear the preachers of God talk about the things of salvation, and yet they do not take these words seriously. And so today I want to ask you, dear friend, is there unbelief in your life? Are there some Bible teachings that you think you cannot abide by? Is the Spirit of God striving with you to follow a certain direction in your faith life, and yet you are ignoring those constant pleas? Are there certain duties that God wants you to perform, and yet you are constantly avoiding them? Is Jesus trying to reach your heart now, but you are not ready to allow him because of unbelief? Are you tempted to think that you do not have enough faith with which you can come to God? Let me invite you, dear friend, to cry out to God saying, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Ask him to increase your faith and help you to trust in his word and to call upon him without any doubt in your heart.
0: We are grateful for the time you've accorded us today. Let us meet right here at Adventist All Radio, the voice of hope. Don't forget to send us your views, comments, or questions about the program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box four two seven six Code 100 Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through Nairobi at eku.adventist.org. Until then, I've been your friend, host, and presenter, Samuel Mangi. Stay safe. Stay Tell
1: me the story of Jesus, write right. on my heart every Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. For oh, he lives to intercede for me and to give me power through the Holy Spirit That's why every time Every time time I feel the Spirit uh, moving in my heart I will pray pray. Every time I feel the Spirit uh, moving in my heart I I will pray Every time I Feel the spirit uh, Moving in my heart I will pray, will pray. every time I Feel the spirit uh, Moving in my heart I will pray Come by him Come by he. him My Lord Come by him Come by him My Lord Come by him Come by me Lord come by Lord oh Lord come by, come by him my Lord come by him Lord come by him my 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 Lord come by him Lord oh Lord come by him Come by him my Lord come by him oh, come, come by him my Lord come by, come by him my Lord, come by my Lord, come by him. O oh, Lord, come by him. Come by him. Come. O
4: Do
5: You shall love another, another
6: Duna kwa amli maule ulo jawabi kwazo shida mara ninge jawana kili zabariki kwa nganyani bila yake ni mpamba sana bila mashimo pia mawe kama nitwende tuende ni hadi tufree kependera pa i
4: want to want Walu punwa wa
6: pandao wa majusi wa tabuna kachikara wa na 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 yu yu wa zaware yezawa chweju walu punwa pandao wa majusi wa tabuna kachikara. Kara ba ba buri, wa